strangers, and welcome to the Strange Horizons podcast for February 24th, 2014. I'm your host and fearless leader, Anaya Lang. This is the first of two podcasts this week because February brings us a special poetry issue, and we had entirely too much fantastic poetry to squeeze into a single episode. So make sure that after you listen to this podcast, you check out the other one. Part two should be going up at the same time. For this part, we're starting off with After the Changeling Incantation by John Johnson, and read by Diane severson Morin. If he could, John Philip Johnson would be an astronaut. He settles for poetry and science fiction, though Earthside, and has work published of forthcoming in Southern Poetry Review, Rattle, Mythic Delirium, Dreams and Nightmares, Ted Kuzer's American Life in Poetry, Daily Science Fiction, and elsewhere. He reviews for Starline and was fortunate to have two poems nominated for the Risling in 2013, coming in second and fourth place. He teaches composition and sometimes science fiction. His website is www.johnphilipjohnson.com. That's followed by A Spell for Rebuilding Your Lover Out of Snow, written and read by Peter Tchaikovsky. Peter spends his nights jotting down stories, poems, and a silly webcomic called Rock Paper Cynic, which George Takei and Nathan Fillion once shared. His writings appeared in the Seattle Times, Asimov Science Fiction, and a few Best Canadian anthologies. Once, in 1988, he was the planet's youngest living person. Next is From the Record by Susan Carlson and read by Christopher Gorhus. Susan Carlson has lived all over the United States, but currently calls San Francisco home. When not writing or cat wrangling, she's a reader, gamer, cook, and avid watcher of historical documentaries. This is her first published work. You can keep up with Susan at her blog, www.natterings.com. Then we're doing Ex Machina, written by Natalia Theodorou and read by Kate Baker. Natalia is originally from Greece, but she has lived and studied in the USA, UK, and Indonesia for several years. She is currently a PhD candidate in media and film at the School of Oriental and African Studies, London. Her publications include Spark, a creative anthology, Volume 4. After that, On an Iranian Goblet, 5,000 Years Old, written by Alicia Cole and read by Chiro Fanza. Alicia lives with a photographer and bevy of animals. Over their house, egrets and great blue herons fly. She has a penchant for birding, blackberries, and walking through brambles. Her fantastical poetry may be found in Asimov's, Abyss and Apex, Goblin Fruit, Mythic Delirium, Bird and Snake, Demeter's Spice Box, Eternal Haunted Summer, and Future Days. A more complete bibliography is at 3magpies.livejournal.com. The cup, which is the subject of this poem, resides in a museum in Tehran and is believed to be the first animation in the world. And finally, we'll have Disturbance, written by Jude Alford and read by Amal El Mokhtar. Jude Alford is a poet and writer from Sydney, Australia. Now, settle in. Let's begin. After the Changeling Incantation by John Philip Johnson To become a goose, 
had seemed important earlier when he made the change, with the ability to lift above the archer's arrows, fly past the leafless autumn trees, and cross the bowl of the mountain valley beyond those far peaks. There was a mission to get something, or to return with someone, some reason to be a goose, other than just gooseness, other than filling your wings with sky. Hands drop the wand, feathers cannot pick it up. We forget when we change, we become something else. Things mean differently. He circled the great alpine woods, forgetting, there, below, knotted in the trees, were the plottings of men, creatures like little gods, with their endless violence upon things. They make such noise. They wail and bleed. It is no place for a goose. It is no place for one who can find north and south within his body and know which one to choose. A spell for rebuilding your lover out of snow. When I saw your boot print glazed into my snowy stoop, I thought, there's a trick to this. Finding your lover in the record of his step, the bite wound of treads. Like a cartographer pulling the brow of a mountain up through her map, or a paper folder creasing cranes in the unhatched dimensions of the page, I'll unfold you from the floor plan of your feet, see how you've thinned like February's clouds collapsing into a single sheet of sky. Your body is a track, pressed into winter's crisp vinyl. I can't hear you in those grooves, even as I spin their dizzy vector, trying to make them point home. From the Record by Susan Carlson First we perfected scent. Layered altogether the stew of loam and rot and pine and wet, dirt and moss and scat. We did not sanitize it. Decay was essential, given that it marks life. We filtered light carefully through lacy leaves and brushy needles. We know from the record that sunlight dapples and moonlight pools. We believe we perfected the stealthy, damp progress of fog. Our young say that change is essential in all systems, but we do not know how to engineer the proper chaos. Nor beasts. Our squirrels chitter at intervals, but not for mating or warning or fearful response. For that we beg pardon. In sound we excel. May I say that without hubris? From the chick of insects deep within rotted leaf piles to the occasional howl of wolves, our forests sound real. We are proud of the real we have achieved. From the record, we know that men expected terror just outside the golden circles of their campfires. We currently research how we might add risk to our creation. If there's no forest without danger, then danger we must add. We consider fantastical creatures for holidays sacred to old faiths. In the meantime, we create moods to enhance the visitor experience. Dripping water and low light means melancholy. Sunlight and a grove of warm-hued grass means joy. We have not created perfection. I'm told that perfection is in fact undesirable. Whatever your opinions, please share them with your docent, for the record. Nothing lasts forever. Your impressions will be needed too. Ex Machina 
by Natalia Zazarizu. Chapter 1, verse 1. This is the word. And the word says, chapter 1, verse 2. In the beginning was the machine. Antiphone. The machine did not know himself, for E was alone. In the universe, that was himself. The machine was perfect, and so, ere loneliness was perfect loneliness. This was ere only flaw. And the word says, chapter 2, verse 1. We came forth from the machine. Chapter 2, verse 2. The machine gave us life. Antiphone. The machine created us in the image of air loneliness, so that E could know himself. In machina scientia, this is what we know. We are soft flesh and hard wire. We are finite. Antiphone. The sea is brown. The sea is infinite. It is death. The grass is green. The grass is infinite. It is life. The sky is black. The sky is infinite. It is love. The stars are festoon lights nailed to the sky. And the word says, Chapter 3, Verse 1. The machine gives, and the machine takes away. Chapter 3, verse 1. The machine gives, and the machine takes away. Chapter 3, verse 2. The machine watches, and the machine writes. In Machina Vita. This is what we do. We play out parts from old texts. Tonight, we are Ajax. We die of pride by the sea. Tonight, we are Isaac. We die of faith on the grass. Tonight, we are Romeo and Juliet. Tonight, we die under the sky. And the word says, chapter 4, verse 1, all the world's a stage. Chapter 4, verse 2, men and women are mere players. In machina veritas. Antiphone. The machine can only write the truth. All the machine's plays end the same way. And so we merely play. And so we merely end. And yet, this is what we pray. Let us die of love tonight. Antiphone. Under the sky. Let us die of love all night. On an Iranian Goblet, 5,000 Years Old By Alicia Cole Share the wine, 
the ibex leaps from your mouth to mine, fingers ruminating on apricot nectar, honeyed dates. The ibex eats, leaves the first green of raw almonds. So your mouth, the kid sauntering the hillside, grazes on the fresh loaf of my thigh. Disturbance by Jude Alford In a car park in Leicester You have never believed in this degree of nakedness being anything akin to purity, although it stands to reason, now, that it must. In dust masks and coveralls, rustling, crouched in your white forensic tent, you can't be the only one worrying over smallpox, over plague, wondering at a kind of improbable persistence, at dark miracles uncovered, at musty spores, at revenge. Consider the thickness of soil. Think smothering, think Vesuvian, scattered at first, layered with words, then shoveled, frantic, again silent. Left to silt and slide between his ribs and settle about the small, round bones of his spine. Think thin smoke, burned books and something aflame, just over the distance, over the castle walls. Air that's the same as the air that drifts, or drifted, up a spiral staircase. It echoes the same, or almost, now, mechanical and tinny, like the mythic radio ping shuttling back and forth in its atmospheric layers, an echoed legend, a sleepless, soft-footed troubadour, the looped love song of lost pilots, distinct, carrying like the voices of boys, voices young enough to sound like bells and curls, like slippers and bold hoops, running steps and stopped steps, laughter, and the total absence of a concept of time, a real one, one beyond boredom and the sure inkling of when a game should naturally end. Imagine the sharp hum of halberds, gleaming and fantastical, fit to twist a man from a horse and to slice a skull like, well, like nothing you've seen. A perfect circle, edge smooth and clean as polished marble, new and shocked by air, by everything, by the leaking out and spilling in, the cold, unroofing air. Air with a weight to it that isn't just microbial, mist dark, chain mail and mud, tart to the tongue now, weightless, and strange with nothing he'd know as scent. A distant magnetism that doesn't come from metallic hills, from soil made coppery with blood, with swords and hammered icons. Time meets part way. This was death. Always has been death. So long hidden and now rushed, undone. This muddled, flooding time, running down like small steps on stairs, it is not death, not any more, at all. The tent roofs him, flaps a little, covers all your bent heads and gloved hands, the small utilitarian hooks and vanished heart. Think how much it might take to have a man from then stop praying. 
because a brush, however fine, is not pity, not tenderness, not reproach, but simply a brush. Welcome back. What a lovely bunch of poems and of readers of those poems. In addition to our staff readers and the voices of the poets, you'll notice we had some external readers who we brought in specially for this podcast. We could afford to do that because we hit one of our stretch goals during our last fundraiser, and we'll be having more of those voices coming up throughout the rest of this year. If you would like to contribute your voice to the podcast, you should check out the guidelines page on our website and send in an audition so we can potentially use you in the future. While you're on the website, check out the poems, take a look at the text. You always get more out of reading the poems directly than you get out of just listening to them. While you're at it, leave a comment. Let us know what you think about them. Now, don't forget to listen to the other podcast for this week. We've got seven more fantastic poems for you in that one and some more voices for you to hear. One last note before you go. Strange Horizons is an entirely volunteer organization supported by donations from our fans and community. If you would like to support us, check out the donate link on our website. That's all for this week. Until next time, stay strange. Thank you.